This is Wicket's World with Mike Wicket from the Bet Sportsbook App Studio. Get social features, casino rewards, and exclusive games in one betting app. Hey, what's going on? Welcome into Wicket's World on shiny new 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. That's right, AM and FM. I'm Mike Wicket. Uh, jump right into it. Let's bring in our first guest because the state of Iowa is on fire right now because they have the number two ranked football team in the nation from HawkeyeNation.com. Rob Howe is with us. You know, Rob, last time we talked, and I didn't want to bother you too much during the regular season, but the last time we talked, this team was 18th in the country. The big fish was in Ames. The, the question marks were there about whether or not they'd be able to handle Indiana. And lo and behold, now they're number two. How in the world did we get here? Yeah, it's funny what happens when they actually play the game, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> That's why true season rankings are just, yeah, yeah. whatever. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, when we last talked, Mike, we had question marks about the defensive line. Those have been answered. Um, would the quarterback develop? I think he is, maybe not at the rate some people would like to see him developing, but I still think that he's getting better and he's won 12 games in a row. Um, I think the, the questions that we came into the season with, at least to this point, have been answered. And we understand, if we're watching the games, what this Iowa football team is, which is a standout defense, incredible punter and special teams, and an offense that tries to limit its mistakes, manage the game, if you will. That's kind of how we got here. I, I, it's, you, you bring up so many things I want to jump into, but before we get into 12 in a row and the progression of Spencer Petras at the quarterback spot, I want to put a bow on what happened last weekend in Iowa City and get you to either agree or squash or whatever. Did Penn, straight, uh, did Penn State try to stall this football game with those, air quote, injuries? I don't believe so. And, again, I don't know how to prove it one way or the other. Um, were there guys maybe staying down a little bit longer to get some rest or, you know, not, not know how seriously, the, how seriously they were hurt? Maybe. I mean, it's just so hard to discern, okay, this is an injury that's really bad. This one isn't. And, and if you look at it, Mike, we saw Riley Moss make an interception. He gets up to celebrate, and, oh, crap. My knees hurt. He didn't even realize it until he started to jump around. So, I don't know. That ho this whole storyline to me has been unfortunate because I think it's taken away. And maybe Kirk Ferentz wanted it to take away some of the attention on his team, some of the pressure maybe on his team. Could be. You know, that could be strategic. But I thought in a week where Iowa's number two for the first time since 1985, this would have been a week to celebrate what this team has done so far and especially on homecoming week, and I think some of that got lost. I don't know how many teams have won 12 in a row in the country. Maybe you know that answer. I think it's one. I, I, maybe I'm off on that. How many teams can say they've won 12 football games in a row in America in the last decade? Yeah, it's not often at all. And if you put it in an Iowa perspective, Mike, um, I went back to 1971 when Iowa started playing 11 games in a season, and if you look at the quarterbacks who have started for consecutive victories, Ricky Stanzi 
0809 has 13. Those are the most. Second, Spencer Petras and C.J. Beathard with the 12 in a row in 2015. I think Chuck Long's at maybe nine. Mm. So it gives you a little bit, bit of context, at least from an Iowa perspective even, how rare this really is. Talking to Rob Howe, HawkeyeNation.com here on ESPN Des Moines. I'm Mike Wickett here on Wickett's World. Spencer Petrus, you said that maybe he hasn't progressed at the rate that a lot of Iowa fans would have expected or hoped or wanted him to. Uh, he was, you know, I thought, improving throughout all of last year. Maybe a bit of a slow start, but where's Petrus in your mind in terms of his progression? It's, it's difficult to really put your finger directly on it, Mike, because, as I said earlier, what he's being asked to do, which is basically... You know, if you have to take a sack, take the sack. Don't throw the ball away. We've got a guy that's going to kick the crap out of the ball <laughs> 55 yards down the field and flip the field. Don't throw an interception. Don't fumble the ball. So I think he's doing well within the confines of what he's being asked to do with this offense. And he's making plays. I mean, we were, I think a lot of us were wondering, okay, the game's in the balance, fourth quarter, can he make a play? And he showed that last week. Excellent play call. Um, set that up the whole game, the long pass to Reganey. But he made the play. He sold it. He made the play. So that's the next layer. That's the next step of his improvement. Um, I think he's getting better. I think he's got to avoid those stretches like early last week where I think he was like one of seven or one of nine. Those stretches where he just really struggled. If he could get some more consistency there, I think that's the next step for him as well. I'm not going to lie to you, Rob. When Penn State had the ball, I think they were up 14-3 at that point. Clifford had not yet gotten hurt. I thought to myself, uh-oh. And I know, you know, who knows what happens if Clifford stays in the game. But there was a moment where this whole offense looked stagnant. Penn State's defense, you have to give them credit. Uh, did you feel that same way maybe midway through the first quarter, a little bit into the second? Yeah, for sure. And you could kind of, you know, I was on the field and it got really quiet in there. Yes, it you know, did. Talked... It felt that way on TV too, man. <laughs> yeah. You could hear a pin drop after they went up, um, you know, 14 to three and, you know, things weren't going well for Iowa offensively. And it, it got a little bit, I think, stressful in there for people. And then, you know, you got to protect your quarterback, right? you can't let Jack Campbell run free like that and get a hit on your quarterback. So that's part of the game. I understand maybe if Clifford stays in, the game's a different outcome. The young guy that came in really had issues with the crowd noise and the false starts and all that other stuff. Um, but, again, you know, we wanted to see. We really haven't seen Iowa have to come back through some, you know, serious adversity. And this team was able to answer that this week. They were able to answer, okay, you're down 11 points. Can you come back? And they did. Rob Howe, HawkeyeNation.com, joining us here on ESPN Des Moines. All right, Rob, I know what every Iowa Hawkeye fan is thinking. On one side and on their front, when they talk to you, they go to the office all week, they're getting ready for tomorrow's game. It's, we're number two in the nation. Damn right we belong in that college football playoff. But how many people on your message boards, how many Hawkeye fans that you talk to are thinking, where's the landmine? Where, where are we going to stub our toe against the likes of unranked Purdue, a bad Wisconsin team, a bad Northwestern team, a mediocre Minnesota team, a bad Illinois team, and I don't know what to make of Scott Frost's team in Nebraska? 
Yeah, I, I think if you look at it, Mike, and you look, obviously, from a gambling standpoint, Iowa is going to be favored in all of these games, probably by a lot, like it is this week. Um, probably Wisconsin and Nebraska, I would think, would be the closest uh, in terms of point spreads and probably the most difficult because Northwestern just doesn't look like the team it did last year. Um, but you never know in that series either. That's some crazy things happen in that series. But, yeah, I think it's human nature to wonder, okay, are we going to get upset? Because let's face it, Iowa's had those games in the past, in past seasons, where, you know, last season, starting 0-2, losing at Purdue, losing at Northwest. Um, it seems like, you know, losing 3-4 of to Purdue. Um, you know, I, I think there's some nervousness just, are we going to come out flat one game? Are we going to not, um, is the other team going to get breaks that maybe we're getting right now? So I sense in talking to these players each week, Mike, that, they're really locked in. They understand what this is all about. But, again, it's 18 to 23-year-old kids. You just don't know. But, again, they, they're going to be favored to win all these games, and that should take them to Indianapolis unbeaten against, you know, whoever it is, Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan State, Michigan, who's ever on that other side. You win it. No, nobody can say, hey, you don't deserve to be there. I'll tell you what. I am thrilled for Iowa that this game Saturday, this game tomorrow, is being played in Iowa City. If this game was in Lafayette, it that just smells of a letdown trap game going on the road, playing against a team that, that tripped you up a year ago. Like I, this game, thank God it's at Kinnick. Yeah, I would agree, Mike. And I think there's some like nuanced motivation here. Um, Spencer Petrus's first start was at Purdue last year. He lost. He talked on Tuesday about, hey, that still leaves a bad taste in my mouth. David Bell has 26 catches for over 300 yards and four touchdowns in the last two games against Iowa's defense. If they're not motivated to shut that kid down, I don't know what's <laughs> going to motivate them. And then, and then, as we talked about, this team is second in the country. You know you have a target on your back. You can't afford to have a letdown. You have to go out there and expect the opponent's best shot. So if you're not prepared for that, shame on you. Is this really the second-best team in America? No idea. That's, that, that's my easy answer. You know, we're only halfway through the season, and who knows how this is all going to shake out. I don't think anybody is just dismissing Alabama and Ohio State. Yeah, both of those teams lost games, but you'd be an idiot to think that they're not in this picture. So it really is going to come down to who plays. It seems simplistic and probably cliche, but you got to finish the season. It's only half the season so far. Right now, they are the second-best team in the country based on what, it, what it's done for this first six weeks of the season, seven weeks of the season, whatever it is. But can you, can you finish? They've got two wins over two top-ten teams. I don't know how many other schools in the country can actually say that, and then a third against a top-25 team with Indiana in the opener again. I don't know how many other teams can actually say that, but let's play this out. Let's say they roll into, into Indianapolis. They play the Big Ten championship game. And just for the argument for this conversation, Rob, they lose to Ohio State, which is completely feasible, I think, in a lot of people's minds. Does a one-loss Iowa team, in your mind, still get a nod to the college football playoff? And I ask that because there are a lot of people maybe thinking they're playing with some house money right now. They can afford a loss. Do you think they can afford a loss if they want to get to the grand stage? 
Yeah, like there are a lot of layers to this. I would say that I was in the conversation at that point with the one loss to Ohio State having been 12-0. and But what has Cincinnati done? Are they still unbeaten? What's happened with Alabama and Georgia? Um, is Oklahoma still unbeaten? There's a lot of other factors that play into that, but I would think Iowa would be in the conversation with only one loss. And then on top of that, Mike, what has Iowa State done? the rest of this season? Oh. What has in, Indiana done the rest of this season? What has Oregon done who beat Ohio State? You know, all of those things will factor into it when they get into that room. You know, the college football playoff committee gets into that room and tries to pick four. I know i got to get you out of here, Rob, but to what you just said, is anybody great in college football? I mean, is Georgia head and shoulders above everybody? Is Bama the next best team in the country? It feels like especially with Clemson losing and Ohio State's already lost. like it, it feels like nobody's great this year, maybe with the exception of Georgia. I would agree, and I think Georgia, much like Iowa, has some question marks on the offensive side of the football. Both teams are really good on defense and special teams, but I think this is going to really stir up the conversation after this season, Mike, of expanding the college football playoff, because we're going to see a lot of teams that are going to have gripes at the end of the legitimate gripes, not the fake stuff we've seen before that they should be in. And I think I'm hoping for anarchy. I, I'm hoping that it's just a complete mess and <laughs> we're, we can all talk about it and they expand the playoffs. I think it needs to be done. <laughs> uh, follow him on Twitter at Rob Howe HN. You can check out his fine work, HawkeyeNation.com. Rob, thank you so much for the time, my friend. We will chat again. Hopefully I get you on before six weeks from now, but I know you're a busy guy. So thanks for coming on. Always my pleasure, Mike. Good to talk to you. One of the best in the business. So follow him again on Twitter at Rob Howe HN from HawkeyeNation.com. Uh, and I, you think about the fear that is in Iowa fans' heart right now. I mean, I know that there hasn't been a lot of national success for Iowa or Iowa State in the world of college football or college basketball. But I don't know if Iowa fan can handle what just happened to him in March in the NCAA tournament, having one of the top seeds having the, the, the Big Ten and National Player of the Year, and that Hawkeye team got bounced by Oregon in the NCAA tournament, outclassed by Oregon in the NCAA tournament. And then Iowa fan, I know you're fearing. I know you're worried. I know this back of your mind, you're thinking, oh, God, please don't lose to Purdue. Please don't go to Wisconsin and lose to the Badgers. Do not lose to a bad Northwest. I mean a bad Northwestern team that got embarrassed by Nebraska a couple weeks ago. Don't lose to the Goofers, who are 3-2 and two and may not be 500 at this point in a couple of weeks when they play. There's that feeling of doubt. I, I, they're going to be favored in every game up until the Big Ten Championship. They likely will not be favored in the Big Ten Championship, assuming it's Ohio State. I don't believe in Michigan. I don't believe in Michigan State yet. Uh... I, I still think Penn State may have something to say about the Big Ten East, but, man, 6-0, and number two team in the nation, and six very winnable games in front of you to get to Indianapolis. That is where the Hawkeyes are at right now. That's Rob Haugen from HawkeyeNation.com. Coming up more on Iowa. Plus, is there a more disappointing team in college football than the guys that play in Ames? We'll get to that coming up, as well as we've got to get some of these NFL stories and the Gruden news. Got to talk about the John Gruden news here on Wicket's World on 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. This is Wicket's World on 1350 ESPN. From the Bally Bet Sportsbook App Studio, get social features, casino rewards, and exclusive games in one betting app. 
1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. Oh, I just noticed this. Uh, Kira, our producer, did you do this? Did you add the 1021 on a sticky note on the big uh, 1350 sign here in the studio? <laughs> did you do that? Yeah. <laughs> it, it's got to be put up there somehow. Right. I mean, if That's you are... called being resourceful, Wicket. Uh, listen, the ESPN Des Moines budget... Isn't that, and it's exactly huge, all right? We don't have a ton of money here. You're right. I shouldn't have wasted the post-it note. <laughs> <laughs> Management is going to be pissed about that. If you're watching the video, you see that I do the show in the studio in front of the big 1350 ESPN, and we've been on FM for a couple weeks now, and they haven't updated the sign. But our producer, Kira, has updated the sign. And if you're watching on the video, it is literally this sticky note. And 1021 FM. So uh, there's our budget. I'm Mike Wicket. This is Wicket's World here on ESPN Des Moines. Rob Howe just joined us. And if you missed it, uh, make sure you podcast at ESPNDesMoines.com. We'll have that for you coming up after the show. Um, but he brought up something really interesting about the expansion of the 12-team playoff. You know, if we went from 4 to 12, which is what everybody wants. I think some people even want it to be 16, and, and I'd be fine with 8. <laughs> Uh, but the, the proposed plan that's going to be out, hopefully, is uh, the 12-team playoff. The six highest-ranked conference champions go one to six, and then six at-large bids with the four highest-ranking conference champions receiving a bye. So this would actually give Cincinnati or a Coastal Carolina or a Boise, those, those great Boise teams, a chance to play for the national championship. And I found this article on ESPN.com that... You know, they do stats, and a lot can play out. But as we sit right now in college football with Georgia on top, Iowa number two, and then Cincinnati is three, and there are so many people right now that thought that think, and I, I understand the doubt, that if the season progresses, and you're looking at Georgia one, Iowa two, Cincinnati three, Oklahoma four, and Alabama five, and there's Ohio State sitting there at number six right now. If the season progresses and we wind up with Georgia, Iowa, Cincy, Oklahoma and Bama, that somehow the computers and the playoff committee are still going to screw over Cincinnati because they don't have the clout, they don't have the resume, they don't have the conference affiliation to say, hey, we belong with the Big Ten champ in Iowa, the Big 12 champ out of Oklahoma, the, the SEC champion in Georgia and Alabama. And the worst thing for Cincinnati would be for Alabama to beat Georgia to win the SEC championship. That would be the worst thing because then you know... Bama would leapfrog them, and Cincinnati would fall. But it, it's interesting to see with these statistics from ESPN.com what would happen, the uh, change from the current four-team playoff to if we had a 12-team playoff, what the percentages are for some teams, you know, how they increase from one to the next if we allowed not four but 12 playoff teams. The Big Ten would thrive. According to ESPN.com right now, and this is so weird and interesting, but we'll get to it. Iowa has a 25% chance to make the college football playoff right now. 25%. Ironically, Michigan has a 41% chance, and Ohio State has a 38%, despite not being ranked second. But I digress. If we were to increase this to a 12-team playoff, according to ESPN.com and their calculator, Iowa would have a 78% chance, Michigan a 90% chance, and Ohio State an 81% chance. 
Only a couple of other teams have uh, a greater increase, like Notre Dame. Everybody hates Notre Dame, unless you're a Notre Dame fan, because they won't join a conference. Currently, right now, as, as it sits with Notre Dame, where's Notre Dame ranked? 14th at 5-1. and one. They currently have a 7% chance to make the college football playoff, according to ESPN.com. That's Notre Dame. If we expanded to 12 teams, it's a 51% chance for them to make the playoffs. So that would be a, an increase in 40, uh, 44%. Uh, Iowa, from 25 to 78, has the greatest increase. Michigan State is there as well. Their increase would be 49% in Michigan and Notre Dame and Ohio State. And Pitt, for some reason, Coastal, Coastal, Coastal Carolina, for some reason. If we were to expand the playoffs to 12 teams, they give Alabama, currently right now, after losing to A&M last week, a 96% chance to make the playoffs if we expanded this to 12 teams this year. Obviously, that's not happening, but that just gives you some of the numbers and some of the increase and why so many people would want there to be a 12-team playoff because it gives more teams an opportunity to play for the national championship. I still believe that if we were to play a 12-team playoff in which the top four get buys, because that's what would happen. Like, if we were to play right now just based on the AP poll, Georgia, Iowa, Cincinnati, and Oklahoma, all conference champions, top four seeds, would all get buys. And then Oklahoma would play Oklahoma State. That'd be an interesting way to do Bedlam, too. Check that. Alabama would play Oklahoma State. Ohio State would play Kentucky. That would be a fun game. Penn State would play Michigan State, which I think we're going to see later on anyway. And Michigan would play Oregon. And who wouldn't want to see all those matchups in a weekend and then watch as the bracket gets closer and closer like we normally watch in May? Then that second round of games are played at neutral site games. Then we get down to the Final Four of the two, play for the national championship. So from a, from a fan standpoint, of course I would love to see this 12 thing this 12-team playoff. And I feel like it has to happen. I think there's a greater chance at a playoff expansion with chaos. All right? If we have no undefeated teams, you know, if Georgia loses somewhere down the line, if I don't know who they, they've got, uh, I don't know who they play this week. I'll, I'll, I don't know the whole schedule of the college football season. I don't have it memorized. But if Georgia loses to Kentucky, that's right. That's where game day is, I believe. Georgia and Kentucky are playing. Georgia's got Florida still. After that, it's Missouri, Tennessee. I think that's Charleston Southern, but I don't think I've ever actually seen their mascot before. And then there's Georgia Tech. Like, after you get past these next two games for Georgia, it should be smooth sailing, in theory, to get to the SEC championship and eventually into the college football playoff. But from a fan's perspective, this would be fantastic to watch you know, from that 12-team playoff. But to get there, we need Georgia to lose. Maybe you need an Iowa loss in the Big Ten title game. Maybe Cincinnati runs the table. Maybe Cincinnati loses. Would you want a one-loss Cincinnati team coming out of that conference? Oklahoma, maybe they run out and get to the Big 12 title game and lose. You know, if you want, if you really, really want the 12-team playoff, I think you have to push for chaos. I think you have to push for the, the committee to look at themselves and say, whoa. Now what do we do? This is worst-case scenario. We can't determine the, 12, the, the four best teams. We might be able to get by with the 12 best teams, right? Like, you think you probably would be able to get by with the 12 best teams by the time we get to the middle of November. But if you want to get there sooner rather than later, you're going to want to root for chaos. And I love watching chaos in college football. It's one of my absolute favorite things 
about college football is the fact that out of nowhere, an unranked Texas A&M team can jump up and bite Alabama, a team that I thought is a lock to win the national championship. Uh, turns out they're not. I'd still take them if I was betting uh, my paycheck, which is very small. But if I was betting my paycheck, I'd still put it on the Crimson Tide to wind up ho- hoisting the trophy uh, come, when do they play the championship game now? Like January 12th or something like that? Used to be on New Year's Day back in my day. Uh, but that's your, your college football 12-team playoff. I mean, I'm, it, it would be really interesting to see what some of these games and matchups if we ever did wind up getting there. But we shall find out, right? That's what they always say. It's a cliche way to get out of a talk segment. We'll see. We shall find out. You know, Cincinnati, for all their, uh, you know, screaming and yelling and look at me, they're a huge favorite against Central Florida. You got uh, Oklahoma State, Texas. That's a great game. I think that's where uh, Big Noon Saturday is against uh, for Fox uh, coming up tomorrow. Kentucky, Georgia, that's the game this weekend. Iowa can't stub their toe against uh, Purdue. That's kind of it for the big, uh, the, the top 25 games. Don't be surprised if TCU gives Oklahoma a game. Their whole quarterback controversy, I saw that uh, you know, Spencer Rattler may not start. The Oklahoma student newspaper reported, and they're the only ones who have seen it, that Spencer Rattler did not get the majority of the snaps in that football game, or sorry, in that practice, after getting benched last week in one of, if not the craziest Texas-Oklahoma game ever. And I still call it the Red River Shootout. I know I'm not supposed to, but Caleb Williams, according to the student newspaper, got most of the snaps in practice with the first-teamers. And you know how they found that information out? They weren't on the sidelines. They were in a building that overlooked practice, and they watched out a window. That's awesome. Good job, student newspaper. That's the future of journalism right there. Finding out the truth by peering through a window and watching practice. It's not illegal to do so. It's not. I used to work in Ann Arbor, and back in the 1970s and the 1980s, when you had the Ohio State 10-year war going on between Woody Hayes and Bo Schembechler, uh, Michigan's football field or practice field is right across the street from a bunch of houses. This is a true story. A big row of houses. Ohio State would rent out those houses and have somebody or pay people to let them go into those houses and to watch, record, photograph what was going on over the wall that it looked into. Well, Schembechler didn't like that. And he made sure that nobody ever went in those houses that he didn't know about. College football, gotta love it. All right, coming up, disappointment so far for Iowa State. Just a cluster bleep of a year so far for Iowa State. We'll get to the NFL games, the Gruden news, so much to get to. Don't forget, coming up tonight, right here on 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines, we've got uh, more playoff baseball. We have the American League Championship Series. It is Boston against Houston. Game one coming up tonight. Tomorrow, we have got LSU and Florida at 11 a.m. Drake is out in San Diego right after that. And then we've got the West Coast uh, NLDS, NLCS, excuse me, game number one as well. So a triple header coming your way tomorrow. Then we got Chargers Ravens on Sunday. Locked and loaded for live sports all weekend long here on ESPN Des Moines. Phone lines are open. 515-244-1350. This is Wicket's World on 1350 ESPN. 
1021 FM, 1350 ESPN Des Moines. That's right, we are on shiny new FM. Happy to be here. ALCS game one tonight, Houston and Boston. Tonight here on ESPN Des Moines. And then tomorrow, uh, it is a triple header of live sports for you. We've got the LSU Florida game, followed by Drake and San Diego. Out at USD, the Toreros. And then at night, it is the uh, the Giants. They lost last night. The Dodgers wound up winning, and they'll host the Atlanta Braves. Beat my Milwaukee Brewers in four. So a triple header tomorrow. And then on Sunday, we'll have uh, Chargers-Ravens for you from ESPN. And also game two of the NLCS between the Braves and the Dodgers. So there's a poll going out about the most disappointing team in all of college football from ESPN. And, and I, in my mind, I've got two or three, you know, in terms of expectation. One of them is North Carolina, preseason number 10. Eric Adelson from ESPN.com has got uh, Sam Howell, Mac Brown, and the Tar Heels as his most disappointing team in college football. Uh, a guy, one of the writers, uh, their insiders named Chris Lowe has selected LSU because they seemingly always have a top-five recruiting class at LSU, and they always seem to have a ton of talent and SEC speed. But right now, they're 3-3, three and three, and they've got Florida coming up tomorrow. Like, that's, they could easily be 3-4, and four, and I can't believe, and I, I was listening to some people talk about this on our station, uh, Ed Orgeron. Red Ed Orgeron. Ed Orgeron is on the hot seat. Two years removed from winning a national championship. You never would have thought that after the magical ride that Burrow and company had in 2019. One of the great college football seasons any team has ever had was that ride with Burrow and Jamar Chase and all those first rounders. Doesn't it feel like that was forever ago for LSU? Moving on. One of the writers says uh, USC. They were the favorite in the Pac-12 South. They're 3-2. and two. Their coach is gone. Another writer, this is an easy answer, considering some people had them as a preseason number one, preseason number two, preseason number three, but Clemson. I mean, you lose Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne and all the guys that they lost, Amari Rodgers, uh, you know, you're going to struggle. But nobody expected the Clemson Tigers to have two losses by this point. But then you get to Heather Dinich, who writes for ESPN. She's one of their college football insiders. And she writes, who's the most disappointing team <clears throat> in college football. And I'm just going to, I'm going to read to you her words, not mine. From Heather Dinich at ESPN.com. What happened? Iowa State, Brock Purdy, Brees Hall, an experienced group of pass catchers, a well-coached defense. Did that Fiesta Bowl win happen? It wasn't just the media. There was a sense within the program from players and coaches this summer that the Cyclones had ingredients for a special season. It didn't even have to be the playoff. Uh, But now, an appearance in the Big 12 championship game even seems far-fetched. She is 100% right. 100% right. I think if I were to pick my three most disappointing teams in college football, it would be Clemson 1, just based on preseason rankings. Clemson 1... Iowa State, two, and then North Carolina, three. But it's exactly to what Dinich was saying. And the resume doesn't look very good for Iowa State at this point. 
Do you think Matt Campbell regrets not taking that $60 million offer he had from the Detroit Lions or the huge offer that he had from the New York Jets? I mean, I know that he talks about wanting to create something and not just bouncing somewhere and that's important and family and all that. But right now, Iowa State sitting at 3-2, and 1-1 one and one in the Big 12. And tomorrow's game at Kansas State, that's not an easy win by any stretch of the imagination. Going down to uh, play in my... I love the name of the rivalry, Farmageddon. <laughs> it's great. It's the longest running uninterrupted rivalry in college football. They have been playing this thing since 1917. They played during the Spanish flu of 1918. They didn't care. They played football then. They played last year during COVID. (laughs) They just didn't care. Kansas State and Iowa State will happen no matter what. They're like cockroaches and Twinkies. Farmageddon will survive the... uh, a nuclear holocaust, all right? It'll happen. But they go to Kansas State tomorrow. That's no, that's no easy game whatsoever. And then, I mean, if, if they trip up in, in Manhattan, they got Oklahoma State, they got to go to West Virginia. A lot of these games look a lot tougher than six weeks ago when I was doing the show. And then, of course, there's the looming game at Oklahoma. I don't know if there's a more disappointing team in college football than Iowa State outside of Clemson because of where they were preseason and the expectation and the greatest team in the history of the, of the school coming back. Greatest quarterback ever in the history of the school coming back. Greatest running back in the history of the school coming back and the greatest coach in the history of the school coming back. If Iowa State doesn't run the table and finishes with three losses, let's say they finish nine and three, Wind up in a nice bowl game. You know, maybe they play in the Holiday Bowl or whatever. Music City Bowl. They go to Nashville. Everybody likes partying in Nashville. Bring your bachelorette party. We're going to the bowl game. But if Iowa State winds up 9-3 and or even worse, which is easy, you can easily see happening. Like, they can lose to both Oklahoma teams. Texas looked good despite losing. Well, Texas looked good offensively despite losing to Oklahoma like 80 to 75 or whatever the score was six days ago. But this also, you have to think long-term for Iowa State, too. You know, Purdy has another year of eligibility because of the COVID rules. He's got one more. He said in the preseason that he's not interested in coming back for another year. I think if this team would have wound up 12-0 and or 12-1 and or whatever, maybe Purdy sticks to that. If this becomes a three-loss team or a four-loss team or whatever, does Purdy want to come back and run it back with Matt Campbell one more time? I mean, Brees Hall is going to be gone to the NFL. He is, at worst, a second-round pick in the National Football League come next spring. But Iowa State, looking forward for Matt Campbell, he's going to have to take a step back. Because unlike Alabama and unlike Georgia and unlike Oklahoma – Iowa State currently is not one of those programs that you will see consistently preseason top 15 or top 10. That's just not what happens at Iowa State. They don't recruit well enough on a national level. Oh, wicked. You don't know about the recruiting class. They have all these... It's not a thing, all right? The preseason expectations are never going to be this high again. 
for Iowa State, at least not in the long term. I'm sorry, at least not in the short term, maybe down the road. But next year, i got to wonder, is Matt Campbell going to be sitting there thinking, boy, 6-5 and five here in Ames, Iowa, or I could be sitting with a $60 million bankroll coming my way from the Lions or the Jets or whoever. Will he get those offers again? Matt Campbell's stock was never, ever going to be higher than it was three months ago when NFL teams were making coaching changes or four or five months ago when NFL teams were making coaching changes. I will bet you part of him is regretting this. I know he's going to say the right things in front of the cameras and be like, hey, I, I'm glad I stayed and I'm trying to build what I can be. You're 0-5 against Iowa. You can't win the Big 12 championship game. The greatest team in the history of the school has let this te- is letting this season go down the toilet. There is no more disappointing team not named Clemson in college football than Iowa State. And I, I don't know what this means long-term. And for, for Iowa State fan, a.k.a. my wife, for Iowa State fan's sake, I hope they get this win. Because if they don't, they will have beaten Northern Iowa, a horrible UNLV team in Kansas. And they will have lost to Iowa, a good Baylor team, and maybe Kansas State with number 12 Oklahoma State coming in a week. Coming up next, we have to hit the Big Five. It is an awesome weekend once again in the National Football League. That's next. Follow us on Twitter at ESPN DSM. This is Wicket's World on Des Moines 1350 ESPN. One zero two one FM, thirteen fifty ESPN, Des Moines. This is Wicket's World. I'm Mike Wicket. Kira and I, uh, my producer Kira, has been. We're trying to do math. All right, we're not real good at it, which is See, evident. This is why I'm gonna I'm gonna level with you. Yeah, I'm not a sports person. Okay, because it involves so much math. Gotcha. <laughs> um, so I'm reading this from the internet, so you know it's true. The Super Bowl halftime show uh, sponsorship is up for grabs. Pepsi has owned the rights to the Super Bowl halftime show since 2012 as part of a larger marketing deal valued at more than $2 billion. So what is $2 billion divided by 10 years? Because it's up after next year. <laughs> you should see us staring at each other. What is to and somebody in the I know you're in your car if you're a smart person, I get it. You're like you idiots. So it's is it twenty million dollars a year? Uh, look, man, I Kira, looked it you're up. You're a smarter person than me. I looked it up. It said two hundred, and you didn't believe and, me. All right. So. All right. Either way. So the halftime, because what I read is the halftime show's rights will be available once again and could fetch from 25 to $50 million annually. So what's 50 million times 10? That's 500 million, right? Is that right? Okay. I don't know where this $2 billion, unless Pepsi's deal was not just the halftime show. So maybe it's separate from whatever deal Pepsi was working. But the halftime show, forget about our math. The halftime show uh, is worth either, you know, somewhere in the 25 to $50 million range annually. Man, that is a ton of money for a show that half the, well, more than half. Like, have you ever been on Twitter during the Super Bowl halftime show? Everybody hates it. 
Everybody hates when it gets announced. There are death taxes and everyone hating the Super Bowl halftime show when it gets announced. And I, I hate that. Like, I, the Who was not my favorite. The Stones were not my favorite. I was born in 81. I'm 40. I'm at the, the tail end of being an elder millennial. Um, this I, Super Bowl show is going to be so good. I cannot wait for this it's year's. It's going to be Thank so you for saying good. that. Thank you. Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, Mary J. Blige, uh, Kendrick Lamar, Eminem. I think it's going to be fantastic. Like, to me, that's, that's right up my alley. I also like the Beyonce and Bruno Mars show, uh, who uh, the Maroon 5 show. I like Maroon 5. I don't need shirtless Adam Levine, but some people do. That's fine. You're never going to see Slayer. Slipknot's not doing the halftime show, all right? They need mass appeal. The, the Dre, Snoop, Mary J, Kendrick Lamar, and Eminem show, it's got some mass appeal, but there are some people who are already pissed. Because you know... You know who those people are. I'm not watching that thing. But there are a lot of people that don't watch it anyway. That's when you get up. That's when you go to the bathroom. That's when you make your liquor run. That's when the pizza gets delivered. That's when you actually pay attention to your children. Whatever happens at the halftime show. But go on Twitter. If you're not on Twitter, follow me at Mike Wicket, two T's. Uh, go on Twitter during the halftime show and during the halftime show of the Thanksgiving Day game being played in Detroit. That's the worst. Everybody, that's 90% hate. Nobody likes anything. Mostly because it comes from Detroit. Uh, running through the Big Five for you, if you're a fan of one of these teams, it's because these are the Big Five that Des Moines roots for. Packers, Bears, there's two of the Big Five playing. They've been playing this game since 1921. Aaron Rodgers and company after that weird game in Cincinnati last week with the five missed field goals. The Bears had the win in Vegas. I don't know what to make of the Vegas Raiders right now because of the whole John Gruden situation. Packers are a five-point favorite at Soldier Field. I think they actually win and cover. Uh, it's going to be 65 degrees. No David Montgomery in this one uh, for, the, uh, for the Bears. The Packers are winning without a whole bunch of guys, and uh, I think they roll in Chicago. The Chiefs are at Washington. The Chiefs are in danger. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but the Chiefs are in danger of watching their season slip away because of where they're at right now. Three, uh, two and three with the worst defense in the National Football League. Selfishly, I hope they don't solve their defensive problems. I have Taylor Heineke as my quarterback in fantasy football. He's, other than one week, been fantastic for me. Chiefs are a seven-point road favorite at Washington. I, if I'm a betting man, and I go over to DraftKings.com, use my promo code KRNT, I would, in theory... I'd be the guy that would say, take the, the Washington football team and the points. Maybe the Chiefs do win this. Maybe Mahomes snaps out of it. They have as many turnovers as they had all of last year already. Mahomes has been good, not great. They lost CEH, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire to injury. But that defense has been atrocious. Vikings and Panthers. The Vikings are, look, they're 2-3. and three. They're winless on the road this, so, so far this year. Kirk Cousins. I, had to be, I, I got rid of Kirk Cousins on two fantasy teams. He's just not it this year. He's got no chemistry with going with Adam Thielen at this point. You never know the, the, the health of Dalvin Cook. Justin Jefferson is a stud. They should throw him the ball 30 times a game. Um, and it looked weird when they kicked the game winner against the Lions last week and how mad Mike Zimmer and Kirk Cousins appeared with each other. That weird, awkward shake at the end of the game. 
Maybe Zimmer doesn't want the anti-vaccine quarterback in his face screaming and yelling. That could be it. After the win, I think the Panthers roll in this one uh, and keep the, uh, the Vikings winless on the road. Cowboys are at the Patriots. That's the other five for the fifth team of the Big Five, right? We got the Packers, we got the Bears, we got the Vikings, uh, we got the Chiefs, and we got the Cowboys. Cowboys, Patriots, everybody wonders, and I heard uh, Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the morning show here on uh, ESPN Des Moines, talking about this. You know, will Bill Belichick, what will he do? Death by a thousand paper cuts. Dallas is going to blow New England out. New England is not very good, and Dallas has been one of, if not the surprise of the National Football League. They actually played defense, which they never did last year. They got Dak back. Dak's throwing the ball all over the yard. He's one of the top five guys for the, uh, the Super Bowl. I'm sorry, for the, uh, the MVP right now. Caesars has uh, Josh Allen one, Kyler Murray two, Tom Brady three, Dak, and then Justin Herbert, followed by Lamar, my guy Aaron Rodgers, Matt Stafford, Mahomes, and Derek Henry. But you're talking about Dak Prescott having a historic season, an historic season for the Dallas Cowboys with the way they're able to throw all of these, these, these guys open. Tons of receivers, tons of weapons. I think Dallas rolls in that game. And then, of course, the big one on Sunday. It should be the Sunday night game. Instead, we get Seahawks and Steelers. That's the Geno Smith game because Russell Wilson can't go with the busted finger. But the one we're going to have for you right here, if you're driving around or hanging out or even working on Sunday, we're going to have Chargers-Ravens, Herbert v. Lamar. That's going to be a good one. We're going to have it for you right here on ESPN Des Moines. One other news uh, tidbit to get to, a couple of them. Uh, Tua is going to start for the Dolphins. He's back after the injury. It's called a get-right game. They're playing in Jacksonville, who is 0-5. The Dolphins are 1-4. Uh, Tua will get the start. Nick Chubb is not going to play. If you have him in your fantasy football league, you just lost a major piece as the Browns will host the uh, Arizona Cardinals. And they need him. They absolutely need him to win, to win that football game. I would go with Arizona in that football game. But Kareem Hunt is a stud. Baker can play like a stud. OBJ can be a stud. But Nick Chubb, out. Calf injury, not going to play against Arizona. How much time do I have left here? About a minute. Okay. All right. Uh, and also, there was a trade made today. The Philadelphia Eagles sent tight end Zach Ertz out to Arizona. He's been on IR. He's coming off IR uh, for, you know, a nobody and a fifth rounder. So those are your NFL news and notes uh, throughout the weekend. Thanks to uh, Rob Howell for joining me here on ESPN Des Moines. Uh, if you missed anything, head over to our website, ESPNDesMoines.com. Follow us on Twitter at ESPN DSM, and we are on Facebook as well. That's where we're broadcasting live. So if you're watching us, you're streaming the show, I appreciate you getting in and doing so over on ESPN Des Moines' Facebook page. Do I have to get out? Okay. All right. Thanks to Kira for producing. Rob Howe for joining me. We'll do it again next week. This has been Wicket's World on ESPN Des Moines.